Welcome back to Capitalize Your Fridays. I'm Taylor Dennis, Senior Wealth Design Specialist and VP of Altius Financial. And this is Mike Williams. I'm the founder and president of Altius Financial. With the year end on the horizon, many of our listeners are receiving and renewing their annual employee elections. We know that this can be confusing to navigate, and we're trying to break down the basics for our listeners to help them navigate maybe the plethora of documents and policies to consider. Before we get too far along, Mike, do you want to start us off with our disclaimer? Sure. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of investment advice or financial planning. No client advisor relationship is formed by our broadcasting this information or your listening to it. The use of this information or any materials linked to in this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not meant as a substitute for professional financial advice. If you're needing specific advice for your situation, please reach out to your certified financial planner. Or if you're interested in learning more about our firm, our people, or our philosophy, please reach out to us at our website, altiusfinancial.com, or you can reach us directly by email at michael at altiusfinancial.com or taylor at altiusfinancial.com. For those of you who are going to follow along and complete your employee elections while listening now, now's probably a good time to pause the episode and maybe log into your employee website or grab your notes sheet. I do want to preface this with saying today we're focusing on employee healthcare elections. So I know you probably have a huge packet full of lots of different options, but to maybe be cautious of your time today, we're going to focus on specifically the healthcare options um, and what those might entail. You know, I think this is a really good idea. I didn't know you were going to actually, uh, you know, have it laid out that a client or, or someone who's listening to our podcast could say, okay, I'm going to walk through my actual elections right now. And I think that's really good. So again, if you, if you're going to do that, pause it, you know, log on and, um, or pull, pull out the paperwork. Um, so I think it's worthwhile, maybe even for me to start off by breaking down a few key financial terms, and then we'll compare the various healthcare policy types. I mean, some of this may be really basic for some people, and some of it may be really clarifying, uh, but we're going to try to make it so that each of the terms that you encounter, you know, that we define those and tell you what they mean. Yeah. And even for some of you, this might just be a helpful kind of a refresher just to remind you, what is what do these words mean? So I'll start off with the first one, and then let's kind of just jump back and forth. Um, the first word is premium. This is what you're paying monthly for your policy. So this is what you're paying out of pocket each month. So this is what you're paying for the insurance, right? Yep, this is what you're paying for the insurance. And if if this is your employee policy, you're likely going to be paying it per paycheck. One of the key things that people need to know, especially if they have a good group policy, if they have a large employer that's paying for quite a bit of the insurance, that premium that's coming out of your paycheck really only represents a f- small fraction of what the actual cost of insurance is. But it's the pre- it is the premium you're paying. Yep. So that's that's what the premium is. But the, the next term we want to define is coinsurance, and that's the portion of the medical expense that you as the patient pay for the services and prescriptions you receive. So, for example, if your insurance says you know, on your contract, if it says coinsurance, and it usually has a split, 20-80 is fairly typical, that means 20% is what you're paying for the total cost of the treatment, and the insurance company is paying 80%. Now, that's as opposed to copay. Sometimes doctor's appointments will have a set copay amount for the specific types of visits too. And that copay oftentimes is a fairly small amount, you know, $10, $25, $30, something like that. 
oftentimes people think that's what the real cost is to see the doctor. And that's yeah. really just a little bit of a, a little bit of a gatekeeper, you know, saying, okay, well, if you don't really have a problem, you're not, you're probably not going to go pay $30 to go in to see your doctor. And, um, but that's the kind of copay. And, and you could kind of think of it as if there's a dollar amount, a small dollar amount, typically that's copay. But when it's expressed in, in terms of a percentage that you pay versus the insurance company, then that's the co-insurance amount. Yeah. And it, it can be helpful to look at this as, hey, maybe I'm going in to see my dermatologist and or maybe I'm going to see my primary care doctor. And my if you're looking at your sheet right now, it likely says primary care visits, $20, $30, $50 per visit. Um, most of the policies I've looked at, and I've now done multiple policies myself as an individual, um, have something specified like that. So you're when you walk in the door, you're going to pay that copay amount. But then now if you say, okay, I need to go get some shots and maybe they need to run some additional tests on me, that's where that coinsurance kind of kicks in. Um, and this next term is really helpful for that and it's deductible. Um, so oftentimes in many cases, you won't have that coinsurance type benefit until you reach your, your deductible. Um, and so the deductible is just the total amount that needs to be covered before you're receiving your benefits. So in some cases, you get your copay and your coinsurance right off the bat. Maybe you've got one of those higher level gold platinum status type policies that everything's just covered off the bat. For those lower level, um, less inclusive policies, you're likely going to have to pay um, a bit more out of pocket, reach that deductible before you receive those additional benefits. Yeah, and that's something uh, we're talking about more is you know, the out-of-pocket, uh, there's usually a term called max uh, out-of-pocket or the maximum out-of-pocket that you're going to pay. That's the maximum amount of payments that you will need to make before your insurance covers 100% of the remaining costs. This is typically more applicable for more expensive procedures and surgeries that you might have and isn't usually met with healthy individuals who just have one or two checkup visits, routine type of things during the year. Yeah. So the next word I think would be helpful to discuss is network. Oftentimes you'll see in-network pricing or out-of-network pricing. Sometimes it'll even say there's no option for out-of-network. Network is just really the network of physicians. So for instance, if you had United Healthcare, you have to be in the United Healthcare network to receive benefits and to have this kind of insurance coverage. If all of a sudden you're going to a Cigna position, you would then have to say, hey, do you cover out-of-network or do you also cover the United benefits? And that gets really important when you're deciding what type of policy and when you're looking at saying, hey, maybe I'm changing my policy. I already have physicians that I really like. How do I keep working with those people? Yeah, that's really important to point out because um, people sometimes wonder what that means you know, in network and out of network, they kind of know fuzz in a fuzzy way, but it boils down to the insurance company is going to have certain contracts with certain doctors or specialists or group practices yeah. where you know, they're, they're getting a certain amount of volume from those, uh, those people in the network. And so they give them maybe preferred pricing. Uh, a lot of times people don't want to think about the cost of all these different potential services, uh, procedures, uh, healthcare itself. But in reality, it's very costly. And it seems like the insurance companies hide behind 
um, these out-of-pocket things or out-of-network things or whatever it might be. But it boils down to they're making, they're trying to make the best uh, overall calculation about how they provide care at a profit. And they're going to use these networks, uh, if they can, to say, okay, we can reduce how much you, the patient, is being charged because we get a certain amount of volume that's and contractual obligations from these doctors to, to do it based on the way we're, we're wanting them to practice. Yeah. So maybe an example that might make this more helpful for our listeners. Um, I like to share by examples of maybe things we've, I have personally learned from experiences I've learned from is kind of the, the nice way of putting it. Um, so my husband, Dave and I were looking at, okay, we we're adults. Let's go get a dentist appointment. We should do the adult thing and go to the dentist. We've, we've got dentist coverage on our policy. Um, so we booked a dentist appointment. We said, okay, perfect. We called up a dentist. We just went on Google, found a near nearby dentist and said, schedule an appointment. We're good to go. Now, Dave had his first appointment before mine. So he goes in first and brings his insurance card ready to go, walks into the office and the person says, oh, we, you're out of network. We don't cover your, your services. Um, we'd love to have you, but your services are going to cost I think they quoted us like $300 or something. Whereas in network, it's like 30, it's, it's that copay amount. Um, and so that's where it can make a huge difference on your pocketbook. For those of you who are saying, well, what does this mean for me saving or me and my investments? It can make a huge difference just to go back and say, well, am I using in network providers or am I overpaying for my services when I already pay for insurance? Yeah, and that's that's an important thing for someone to make it uh, an informed decision. You know, it, maybe it's worth it for them to go to a doctor or specialist that's out of network because they really have that kind of relationship with them, but it's going to probably cost more. So now we've covered some of the basic terms. Let's jump into the healthcare policy types. I think this is one of the areas that people get confused by. I know I've been confused by these terms before. You see these. All these little alphabet soup acronyms, uh, HMO, PPO, EPO policies, what do all these things mean, Taylor? Yeah. And so I know someone's probably listening to this and saying, oh, well, I saw something else. There's There are probably additional types of policies out there, but these are kind of the, the primary ones that you'll see. Um, and I think it's easiest to really compare these as what are you paying versus what are you getting? Um, so I'm going to kind of start with the more expensive and then go towards the less expensive. So starting with the PPO, PPO just is code for preferred provider organization. These policies are the more expensive policies, but the users who have them have considerably more flexibility. Um, for instance, they're looking at, they could probably get service in network and out of network. They'll probably pay more to go out of network, but they'll still have some kind of coverage. These types of individuals also can go see specialists without having to be referred from a primary care physician. So in the other policies that we're going to list down the road, there's situations where you'd have to speak with your primary care physician, get a referral, and then go to your specialist. And in this case, you don't have to do that. Um, so it's saving you a doctor visit and therefore saving you that extra expense. The flip side of these are they're not often those high deductible healthcare policies, which we'll kind of dive into that a little bit more down the road. Um, but that's definitely a trade-off to say, hey, do I have a lot more healthcare expenses up front? Do I have a lot of specialists I need to see? Should I pay more in the insurance premiums themselves, knowing that I'll pay less per doctor visit? 
or how does that trade-off work? So for those of you who have a lot of healthcare visits and you know that I've got six doctors a week, I'm going every week, I I need to have this as covered as possible, you're going to pay a higher premium, but this might be the policy for you. So the next one we want to talk about is the EPOs, uh, EPO policies or exclusive provider organization policies. That's what the EPO stands for, exclusive provider organization. These are the middle range cost-effective policies and are primarily limited by needing to have your healthcare in the network itself. On the other hand, these policies are seen as a middle ground for flexibility since you aren't required to have a referral from your primary care physician to meet that specialist. So it does give you some flexibility and they're kind of that middle range uh, option. And then the third one that we're going to discuss today is the HMO, the health maintenance organization policies. These are typically the most cost-effective policies. So if you're looking to say, I really don't have a ton of healthcare expenses. I just want to get the least expensive policy. Um, should I have some kind of incident where I need that kind of coverage? Um, these are going to offer you typically various deductible offers. All of these policies will offer different levels of deductible. Um, but this is typically where you'll see those high deductible healthcare options. And I use that word and that, that language because that's what determines your eligibility for an HSA type investment plan. So before I jump into the HSAs, I do want to make sure I'm covering the thoughts on the HMOs are you do have to meet with your primary care physician before you can go meet with a specialist. So that's a downside. And then you do need to stay in network. Otherwise, you're not going to be receiving any benefits. So if you're flexible with who you're going to meet with, if you're not planning to see a ton of specialists and you want to save money, this is probably a decent plan for you. Now jumping forward into, okay, well, you mentioned HSAs a couple times. They must be somewhat important. Mike, do you want to maybe dive into what are HSAs and why we think our listeners should be interested in those? Yeah, and we've covered this a little bit on other uh, prior podcasts yeah. about how we're big fans of HSAs. And, and if you think about it, it's a way of saying, well, I want more control and I'm going to try to be, uh, maybe I'm fairly healthy right now and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I'm saving for the future of my healthcare needs through an HSA or a health savings account. We kind of think of them as uh, super IRAs, and that can be a little bit confusing because people say, well, isn't an IRA for retirement? I thought you were talking about healthcare and healthcare programs. Um, but an HSA allows you to contribute into an account, an account pre-tax, just like an IRA. So you can have money taken out of your paycheck, or you can contribute just like an IRA rather than just out of your paycheck. You can just write a check to a, a, an HSA itself, taking a tax deduction. So it's pre-tax money. And your contributions are reducing your taxable income, similarly to how an IRA works. But then the benefits grow tax-free as well. So you, you get that initial upfront tax deduction, and you have the ability to invest those funds, not just in a, a basic bank or fixed account. You can actually go into mutual funds or stocks. You, you can, depending upon the, the HSA structure, you can often go into multiple different kinds of investment vehicles. And it's growing tax-deferred within that account. Uh, assuming it's growing, uh, assuming you're making good long-term investment decisions with it. And then when you eventually need those funds for healthcare expenses, it comes out tax-free as well. So the reason why we call it a super IRA is that it's got all the benefits and more of an IRA. The, the catch is it's got to be used for healthcare expenses. But most of us will have at some point in our life significant healthcare expenses. And that's why for especially for younger people who are healthier, who don't make a lot of insurance claims, 
and they can't afford any kind of out-of-pocket expenses right now, it's better to save long-term or invest long-term for your healthcare through one of these vehicles. So we're definitely advocates, but it only fits certain kinds of people. I mean, again, if, if a person has current needs, uh, out-of-pocket expenses, significant out-of-pocket expenses, usually the health, H, HSA is not the best vehicle, even though some people use them that way. And it's kind of interesting. We, we tell them, you know, set yeah. this up, but don't use it. And they're like, well, I thought it was for my health. Well, it's for your health down the road. Yeah. You know, that's the best way to, to really utilize it. And because you're using, you're basically using the tax code to compound your wealth so that you have an overall longer term, more secure retirement by having a pot of money you can pull out of that's tax free for, for these kinds of expenses. Yeah. And I, I was just going to kind of build on what you just said there. If you've looked at HSAs recently, you might have noticed, okay, they've really, really expanded what you can spend these on. I mean, everything from over-the-counter medications, your prescriptions, your doctor's appointments, even like feminine care products are covered. So they're making it easy for you to spend them. And I think they that's because the system understands that these are such a good option. We don't want people getting so much tax benefit out of this. And so I want you to sit back and say, I want to do the thing that's maybe a little bit counterintuitive and look at that as, no, I, I'm not going to spend that now because they're making it easy to spend it. I need to save it for the long term. Yeah, I think, it's, I think that's uh, kind of covers most of what, what we wanted to touch on today as far as the kind of options that people would have. Ho hopefully it's helpful. I, I do want to make an additional comment about this. You know, it, when we're talking about health insurance, people need to realize that insurance companies um, can't have a dollar for dollar. You, know, you pay dollars in in premiums and then those dollars come out. Eventually, someone has to pay more for someone who really got sick or someone who crashed their car or had their house burned down. So insurance companies can't have a dollar for dollar payout of the premiums that they have. They, they are in business to make money. So they have you know, their own administrative costs. And they have the demands of shareholders for profits as, as well. Um, but what we want, I mean, this is my view, is we want a competitive market where insurance companies are continually incented to improve their services, get more innovative with regard to their health, health insurance or insurance coverages, um, and give you a lower premium, right? Yeah. On a similar note, for our listeners who are maybe working for a small business and are saying, well, I'm opening up my options right now and I'm relatively limited and they're all pretty expensive. <laughs> it's it's the same exact perspective on from the how costly is it to insure individuals. If you're working for a company of four people, the odds that one in those four might get sick is maybe a little bit higher than if you're working for a hundred person company and if, if maybe only one in that hundred or four in that hundred get sick the cost to the insurance company is considerably more on a percentage of employee basis for a small company than it is for a large company. And so um, if you are working for a smaller company and you're wondering, well, why am I paying more? And it it's really comes down to the math of um, what does it cost to insure individuals? Well, in one sense, you are forced. There is the individual mandate, right? And so you're saying that uh, if you, you don't have to buy from your employer. So you can say- yeah wait, I don't like these options that I'm getting from my employer, so let me shop the marketplace, so to speak, which I think is a really yeah. silly term for that because it's it's ruining the marketplace. That's a, my little editorial comment. But but the, the quote, public marketplace is basically uh, 
uh, government plans, right? State yeah. plans, uh, and you can go to them. But you do have to have you do have to have health insurance, right? I don't know if that got waived. You used to get a fine for not having health insurance. It was about a thousand dollars a year because I I quoted when I was twenty two if it was worth even having health insurance. I was like, I don't get sick. I don't need this. Um, it was, I think, around a thousand to two thousand per year per individual if you didn't have health insurance. Right, and and and, and you know, I, I made that little editorial comment, but that's the lay of the land right now. That there are there are definitely options to to go to the state or or one of these quote marketplace plans, and it might save you money. And and sometimes we help people through that, uh, depending on their personal financial circumstances. It's interesting how you know that. You would think it would be just people who are who are poor or uh, younger people who don't have a lot of cash flow right now, but but it it really depends on the circumstances. And one other thing we should maybe point out, and maybe you can help clarify this, Taylor. But there's there's these these terms, uh, you know, sort of like Olympic Olympic medals <laughs> they put on these. You've got the bronze plan, the silver plan, the gold, and the platinum plans. And those are just generally, uh, and you know, in a sense, they're like trying to designate gold medal, you know, like the the winner or whatever. the The platinum plan is the best. It's gonna, it's usually within any particular insurance uh, company. If you're on the platinum plan, that's gonna be the the widest coverage, the most coverage that you have. But it's also gonna be potentially the most expensive. Oftentimes, in that case, the company's gonna be paying ninety percent, and you're gonna be paying ten percent after the copays and all that kind of stuff is met. Um, so you just go down from there. You know, gold is a little bit less, silver is less, and then bronze, the most basic, uh, probably the most expensive out of pocket, uh, and the most, um, the least that the company is going to pay for. But it's also the lowest premium, right? Yeah, and it is helpful to note that these aren't necessarily all equal. So if I'm looking at a Cigna bronze policy and I'm looking at a Friday Healthcare local healthcare bronze policy. I mean, those are probably going to have a little bit different types of benefits and t- different coverage. Um, and they might even have different providers available. So you definitely want to make sure you're doing your homework on who do I need to meet with? Do I have a specialist that I need to be meeting with or a specific type of doctor I need to have available to me? And what does my policy or the policies available to me cover? Well, our hope is that today's episode clarified the various medical policies, and we'll we'll spend future podcast episodes on other uh, elections you might be making with your employer. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We invite you to follow, like, and listen to us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the social media, LinkedIn. All these platforms are saved as Altius Financial, and it's typed as one word, so you should see our logo as the profile picture for, for Instagram and Facebook. And we invite you to tune in on Tuesdays as we post our Finance Terminology Tuesdays with a new topic each week. If you're interested in setting up a financial plan or have any questions, comments, or thoughts for us, any suggestions for future podcast episodes, please feel free to reach out to us directly. You can reach Taylor at taylor at altiusfinancial.com and you can reach me at michael at altiusfinancial.com and you can certainly uh, use our website, altiusfinancial.com, as a, a resource. Thanks for joining us. Happy Friday and have a great weekend. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend.